Are you ready to tell me everything? <laughs> Did he watch your Instagram story? He was the first to watch it, girl. Ghost him. Stop. Block him. <laughs> Support for Tell Me Everything with Lands is brought to you by Manscaped. Guys, I am so excited about this new sponsor slash partner. Guys, Manscaped, if you don't know already, is the best in grooming and hygiene for your man. Ladies, Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for you and your man's grooming needs. For anyone out there who has come across that hairy bush, you're in luck because Manscaped just launched in the UAE with their fourth generation trimmer, the La More 4.0. Make sure your man... Guys, man, your man, your friend, your husband, your boyfriend, whoever it is, joins the 4 million men worldwide who already trust Manscaped. I have an exclusive offer for you. Girls, I always hook you up. Men, you too. Enjoy 20% off with code LANZ20. That is LANZ20. Use use it at manscaped.com and enjoy and thank me later. Hey guys, welcome back to Tell Me Everything with Lance, episode 25. We are getting older and older. And to bring on this new journey of Tell Me Everything with Lance, I am bringing on a girl who slid into my Gmail account. (laughs) Her name is Rima and I'm going to screw up her last name, (laughs) Faldalala. That's another three syllables than what I'm used to. <laughs> it's Fadlala, but we'll, okay. we'll, 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 we'll work it. on it. We'll work on it. She is a co-founder of Dearborn Girl, where she helped drive the conversation with Arab and Muslim women in Dearborn, Michigan. She is also a female-based badass entrepreneur of a business called Remix, an online platform specifically catered to Arab women. Today, we are going to discuss normalizing entrepreneurs in Arab homes and how she flipped her life to remix the entrepreneur landscape. I love that. I love it. I see what you did there. (laughs) Thanks. Please welcome to the show, Rima. Welcome. Hey, everyone. Hey. Um, So let's get into it. Um, Can you discuss your background? And I want to know where you grew up, let our listeners have a little bit of insight of your background, where you grew up, where your parents are from, and kind of how you ended up in the U.S. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Rima. I'm at Fadlala. I am a proud Dearborn girl. I'm from Dearborn, Michigan, which is the best city in the entire world. (laughs) It has the largest concentration of Arabs and Muslims in any city outside of the Middle East. So literally, guys, like if it's not somewhere in the Arab world, it's Dearborn. So my, my upbringing was a little different than the average American. My parents are both Lebanese immigrants. They immigrated to the States. Yeah, they immigrated to the States um, when they were like 16, 17, and then met in Dearborn and started a life there. So yeah, and um, my background, I guess, between the Arab world and the States, I've been traveling. um, Basically, like my life exists at the time between Dearborn, Michigan, Dubai, and and Lebanon, and I recently moved to LA with my fiance. Cool. Well, I think it's, and I mean, I always hear about Dearborn, like whenever my tita in Texas orders sweets and like desserts, it's always from Dearborn, Michigan. I was always Is like, it Shatila? I'm, I'm going to have to actually ask her on WhatsApp. Okay, that's awesome. I, she always, always like even Fatayid or whatever it is, she's always ordering it from Dearborn. I was like, tita, like as living in Dubai, like I don't really know anything of the U.S. until I moved there and really got to know like what the states are and the and what minorities are really more rele- or prevalent 
or significant or, you know, out there and, and um, more concentrated. And she would always say Dearborn is like Lebanon in America. And I, I just think that's it's fascinating. I need to come visit. But I mean, as an Arab girl, so your, your, your parents were Lebanese immigrants. I mean, as an Arab girl growing up in the U.S., did you find it challenging to have those Arab values instilled in you? But like kind of having, I guess, this internal, I don't know if it would be a struggle, but a challenge mm -hmm. of like being an American Arab, yeah. I guess, living wow. there. This is the best question ever. I will take the whole podcast answering this question, <laughs> not today. <laughs> Literally tell so, me everything though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I've actually studied this a lot in my work. So mm -hmm. I can speak on my behalf and on the behalf of over 500 people that we've surveyed about this actually. Um, and so the short answer is yes, there is always a, an identity crisis that you have to go through as an Arab in America. And it's for so many reasons. Um, the main reason being that we don't have our own uh, checkbox, for example, on the census or on applications. We are still considered to be white, yeah. even though what we see written about us or spoken about us on the news very much so signals to us that we are not white. We are our own people uh, and so you couple this sense of like invisibility where we don't have things for us we don't have spaces that are for arab americans but we have all of this like bullshit basically in the yeah. news being written and said about this community so you really have to you really feel like you can't be arab and american that's what they try to make mm. you feel they try to make you feel like you can't be both like you have to and so i'll tell you a story yeah, I'll tell you a story that um, really highlights this for me. So I was in fourth grade when 9-11 happened. And I remember immediately after I, um, I came home and there were just a bunch of reporters at my house and they were interviewing my family. The title of these articles, you can look them up, is how it feels being both Arab and American post 9-11. And when you really just think and analyze that title, it's like as if they're trying to insinuate that it's yeah. this conflict right and so how did how did I feel as a fourth grader I was just confused just like everyone else in my class and then you go back to school and little white girl at school Jennifer Corbin I'll call her name out because she deserves it <laughs> like, literally would say shit like 100% yes <laughs> like I don't want to sit by Rima because Arabs cheat on tests Arabs this Arabs that and there's just this like weird feeling that I'm I'm carrying this very shameful thing yeah. The reason that, alhamdulillah, I grew up being very proud, even like obnoxiously proud of my identity, was in part as a resistance to that hatred, mm. but also because I had two parents who, God bless them, I have no idea how they did it with their heavy accents and being mm. immigrants, were just very proud. They never, never, never let us feel like we should apologize for being who we were. So that being said, I'm very happy that that's my perspective and i really want to make sure that other arabs in america and around the world grow up feeling very proud of their identities and able to explore them on their own without someone else trying to tell them who they are who they're not i think you know it's interesting because you know like there's like the third culture phenomena like like as like so i'm a third culture kid grew up somewhere i'm from somewhere else i i i've lived in the states i've lived here so i think it's interesting though because i think this would be like a second culture kid type situation because you're you're lebanese but you are also american you're living in the place i guess you have a passport in so i think yeah. it would it's difficult to be like so like like 
do I, do I go with this value or this value because I live in this mm. country, but I'm from this other country. Um, so was this kind of the inspiration for Dearborn Girl? Because you, you were the co-host and fo- co-founder of that podcast. Did you kind of feel like you needed a voice and so you created the voice? You know, I think subconsciously, yes. If you okay. would have asked me in 2018 when my co-founder Yasmin and I were starting Dearborn Girl, my answer would have been different. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you both perspectives, me yeah. and Zadima in 2018. Uh, what I was thinking, what was most salient to me at that time is that I'm from this beautiful, wonderful, amazing community of Arab and nobody's talking about it. And I kind of got annoyed where I'm like, it's almost like I woke up from this like long 27 year nap at that point where I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is a remarkable situation. Like I'm yeah. from a community where you drive down the road and there's literally out of the writing all over these businesses, Wild. you know, people, people like sit in their garage. They, they don't like use their garage for cars. They use their garage to have a whole little idea with their aragil and their yeah, cars. Yeah, like, yeah. We have so much beautiful culture in the city. And I was just annoyed that not only was nobody talking about it, but there was almost this internalized shame kind of going back to how I felt in fourth grade of being a Dearborn girl. And so what that turned into was this, like, when we grew up, anyone from Dearborn, if they're listening to this podcast, they'll know what I'm saying. When we grew up, you would not call yourself a Dearborn girl voluntarily. So this is how a conversation would go. For example, you'd be like, Oh, Ahmed just got married. Oh, who did he marry? Is she like a Dearborn girl? And what that means is like, is she this obnoxious, trashy, out of girl? It was like a negative term. It was very negative. And so even us, and and another very quick story, I went into Fortson High School, which was my my high school that I went to. Mm -hmm. And I went there as an adult right before we started Dearborn Girl, surveying a classroom of freshmen, Arab women from Dearborn, predominantly Arab. There were other people that were not Arab. But I asked them a simple question. I'm like, raise your hand if you're a Dearborn girl. And nobody raised their hand. What? And then I asked them, yep. And then I asked them, raise your hand if you're from Dearborn. And they all raised their hand. And it's this idea that there's this separation. Like, we don't want to call ourselves this because it's so mm-hmm. negative. And so we wanted to take that phrase that is very much so an identity that we should claim proudly and just flip it on its head. So funny story when we first started it even though like the trailer for the for the first episode was this very positive like dearborn women are this dearborn women are that people were like shook by the name because they were like at first like what the hell is this is this a gossip forum is this like something like basically like like, portraying it as like negative they're like this is negative yeah and it worked like it was such a perfect experiment to just take this word and now people have it in their bios like that was the best moment for us as women wow. in Dearborn will literally put like proud Dearborn girl in their bios and you know selling all of the merch and all of the things that we were selling at the time just to reinstill pride in our identity so that was what was most salient for me but what I learned through being the co-host of this podcast is just yeah. like this is literally the space that I needed growing up I needed to feel proud of who I am because I just didn't have that anywhere. So, so I guess Dearborn Girl then was your kind of start of your journey to becoming an entrepreneur. Cause I think podcasters are entrepreneurs, but I think that sure. would, you, would you say that is like the start of your journey to being an entrepreneur and like exploring, I guess that Avenue and what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So at the time of starting Dearborn Girl, I was actually getting my business degree. I was driving 35, 40 minutes every day from Dearborn to Ann Arbor, Michigan to go to the University of Michigan to get my business degree. And I was like, you know what? 
Yasmin and I, we're going to start this awesome project during my two years at B school. And then we're going to hand it off to somebody because I don't want to do this. Like, this isn't yeah. my life. I want to do like, and at the time I was transitioning out of a career as an educator, I was a teacher. Oh, so I'm yeah. like, I want to start my own school for these kids. And like, yeah, because a lot of the trauma that I experienced actually as an Arab happened in my schools with my teachers being racist and all of that. So I thought I was going to business school <clears throat> to start. I thought I was going to business school to start a new era of what education looks yeah. like and so when we started dearborn girl i realized like no like this is my life like i need to be spending my life creating spaces for arab americans and so between basically my first and second year of b school i was just like okay and so that's when we founded what's now known as arabized media and mm -hmm. it's a media company for arabs in diaspora and we're just normalizing arabness through storytelling so basically through more spaces like dearborn girl for the average Arab, wherever they are. Wow, that's incredible. So is this, is this media, it's called Arabized media? Yes. Okay, so is it, so do you kind of select entrepreneurs or um, Arab entrepreneurs or podcasters or whatever it is, creatives, let's say, and like take them under your wing and, and like kind of connect them to things or is it like they come to you and they're like, I need help in this space, for example, and you kind of give them the tools to enable them for success? That's a really good question and that's also a good idea. But we have talked <laughs> so about- I got you, we'll talk after. <laughs> we're still, yeah, no, we're still, Yasmin's gonna get so happy at this part. Yeah. She's building out, but th this isn't our short-term goal. She's yeah. building out something like a creator's program where we can, it's like, it's basically like why reinvent the wheel? There's this awesome podcast, they're doing it already. There's this awesome TikToker who has this brand. Yeah. And we do wanna be a network of a bunch of really lit Arabs who are doing really lit things for our community from lifestyle to culture, I don't even think it exists like anywhere by the way even it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't really exist. exist most most auto media companies that we've studied are heavily focused on news we decided early on that we want to be focused on culture and yeah. just you know pop culture lifestyle so the we're launching our you know mvp so the the basically in business terms minimum viable product which means mm -hmm. like the 1.0 version of what will eventually be a 2.0 and 3.0 and so we are launching arab eyes as an email series first and what that email series is going to be is just a collection of amazing stories in different formats so not just written but we're really trying to adapt to the multimedia landscape so we might have a little podcast in there one um mm -hmm. one of one of the editions we'll have stories we'll have poetry we'll have uh, the awesome viral TikTok video of people doing the debke at a pizza place, just random stuff. Yeah, that yeah. Just a culmination, a one-stop shop for pride in Arab culture. And so we are starting out building our email series and that's going to launch in 2022. Cool. And then from there, we're going to, you know, grow out to have other brands under our network. So how did you tell your parents who wanted to be an entrepreneur? Because <laughs> my question. dad still does not know what a podcast is. Yeah, like, what can yeah. I look at it? Like, what can I watch it? I'm like, it's not a TV show. Like, I'm not on yeah. a TV show. You put in no, your earphones and you so listen funny. to it. You know, like they don't. They still have no idea what I do. Like, they know I have a job. They don't know my pot. They don't. They still don't get it. My mom is like, just put subscribe. I was like, sure. So how? It. It, yeah, really. And they've been so supportive even though they don't really get it but they were so, and they're pretty like westernized but they, they they still don't get it so for yeah. you how was it to tell your parents like oh no like i'm not i guess we're gonna be a teacher or an educator like i'm gonna yeah. follow track of like 
creating my own idea and kind of going with it or taking right, risks, sure. I guess, in their heads, it's like a risk, right? It's not- Yeah, oh like, yeah, especially doctor. after all they sacrificed. Exactly. They it's sacrificed so much. And I remember my dad's mom, Alayyidhama, said, um, you know, I didn't, like in Arabic, she basically said, like, kill him just so you can be a, a teacher. Because at the time my dad started as a teacher and then as a principal, mm. he, you know, principals make pretty good money, but yeah, she, yeah, yeah. they don't care. It's not they about the money. It's about <laughs> totally. The like, they don't like. They don't. Yeah. He ended up making her like way more proud than he could have made her in any other field. But it's funny because so my dad was an educator and um, a principal his whole career. He experienced so many things, which is another story for another day. So much discrimination, Islamophobia, all of that. So when I started off actually being a teacher, he was like, "No, no, no. This isn't what you should do, Rima. Oh God, wow. If you want to beat the system." go to law school okay and i mean i get his perspective he wanted me to know the law because that was the one weapon he felt he wasn't empowered with dealing with over 50 investigations on him for no other reason than he was a Arab and muslim wow. man so you know i had to have that conversation with him like baba i ain't trying to go to law school but more like my parents were actually very non-traditional when it came to this and one of the things my mom told me growing up over and over and over is you can be whatever you want literally do whatever you want just don't be a doctor which is not what you hear in arab households in arab households, not what you hear you do not hear that that is one of the most prestigious fields but my mom actually she she owns her own pharmacy and so my mom was an example of a successful entrepreneur that yeah. i got to see growing up but she had done i think some rotations or an internship at a hospital and she just saw how depressed these doctors are and how depressing the field is uh, and of course, if I wanted that for myself, she would have supported me. But long story short, um, my dad actually passed away before I went to business school. So we didn't get to have that conversation. But yeah, but he, he would have supported it. He would have understood the vision. My mom was 100% supportive all the time. But I think if my dad were around, the one thing that would never change, and I don't know if you get this, but mm. is the baba. Do you need money? <laughs> you know i think that there's always that element my dad will like my... throw his card at me he's like just take it take it I'm like laugh like, i'm trying to make my own like, <laughs> like take it son. Like, you're oh. always their little baby right but i do think just in general there is this sense of different priorities from generation to generation and i want to say i know we give our elders a lot of shit for not understanding our career but I, I really respect them and I'm so grateful for them. And I feel that, you know, even between myself and my oldest brother, for example, mm. who's, who's in his later thirties, like I had a choice, you know, for them, it didn't feel really like a choice, even though everybody has a choice. It didn't really feel like they had a choice to choose passion maybe over security. And so I try to be more empathetic with them when they say crazy things. Cause they do, they'll be like, are you okay? Like, how are you paying for your rent? And I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna be fine, Anto. I'm good. <laughs> like, it's gonna be okay. You're like, it's gonna, it's gonna be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um. So let's kind of take the track now to remix, and how love like it. that was created. Because like, I first of all, I love your website. I love your color Thank palette you. as like a social media gal. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate you. the mood board. I appreciate even what you have on your own personal Instagram. Um, kind of like you've really created a brand for yourself, you know, like you, you, you've distinguished yourself. Um, so what does a remix aim to do? And, um, what inspired you to do this? I mean, I guess I already know the answer to this question, but I'd love to hear it again. 
to do it for specifically for Arab women and, and to empower yeah, them. For sure. So the remix is more than just a cute play on my name. My <laughs> whole life story so has just been cool. remixing shit. Like yeah, I just so. have remixed my life as an Arab woman. Right now I'm remixing the shit out of my life as a fiance. I'm remixing what it looks like to do online business. I feel like for so many Arab Americans, our life is a big fat remix. We're just it taking this culture, yeah. this culture. We're trying to blend it together, make it work, make it sound good. And because at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Because we care so much about how other people perceive what we're doing. Not that it should be that way, but it is that way. So for me, the remix is very much so a journey to normalize entrepreneurship in Arab homes around the world. And it's it's kind of to, you know, it's funny in business, they always want to ask, like, who's your competition? And obviously, like, we have competition of people who are working with similar customers. But really, for me, my competition is this trifecta of you need to be a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer, or else mm. you're not shit. And I am so tired of that thinking. And alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, like I just said, my parents, they weren't, you know, they weren't putting, kind of putting that in our heads, but still culturally, I did feel a sense of insecurity at the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey yeah. of explaining that I became an entrepreneur. And I know for a lot of younger Arabs or older Arabs, that's something that really gets to them to the point where they never follow their passion yeah because it's already hard enough as it is like entrepreneurship is gonna throw some and crazy curveballs like out of culture you're like put in a category if you're a man you're gonna be an engineer or a businessman yes. or a lawyer for a woman okay i know this might be controversial but for a long time it was stay-at-home mom like let's not oh lie. yeah you know and th that is the hardest job by far it is real. it mm -hmm. is but that was kind of what it was for a woman stay-at-home mom and but it should be a choice especially for for Arab women it was kind of like yeah it should be a choice exactly but i think we were categorized you know to do that for a long time and of course now times are changing we have women in leadership positions but I think still maybe a lot of women entrepreneurs wouldn't feel empowered to kind of be pushed to do it because they would feel exactly. in a box, essentially. Yeah. So one of the main things I focus my energies on with the remix is an online program specifically for Arab women. And mm. at first, some people thought I was crazy. Like, you could make so much more money if you open this up. First of all, that's not true. And um, I have a whole webinar. <laughs> like, so if you want to watch that, it's free. Uh... <laughs> it's free. You can watch it and learn. It's actually better to niche down. But that it wasn't even a business strategy for me. Um, you know, it was more so just the fact that I want women in this digital community who can talk about things like, you know, how whether or not their husbands are helping them with their business. These are things we literally talk about, you know, on a normal online digital business community. They might be talking about revenue and numbers and yeah. yeah we talk about that but we're also talking about how we're scared to feel judged by our community we're scared to explain like kind of stuff that you and i just talked about yeah and it's so important to have that safe space when you are starting your business because i want to say over 50 percent of it is mental and i think that having the community for women who are starting their brand or business to talk about things and feel normal I think that's the most important thing is yeah. making people feel normal for for their dreams and visions is is a game changer. I mean, I think like I mean, I know this is more personal, but when I got engaged, I did that engagement episode. I know you really related to it about being independent and still having my independence, even though I'm in a partnership. And for me, that was something I really struggled with because I was like, I still want to have like my wild 
you know, girls nights and whatever. And I want to pursue my dreams and pursue my passions just because I have a ring on my finger doesn't mean that's going to change. And I'm really scared of losing that independent Lana because I actually have to take care of someone, not take care of someone else, but be mindful of someone else's feelings. Exactly. Um, To get more personal then you're just got recently engaged. Congratulations, by the way. How the hell are you balancing all this shit? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, how the oh hell man. are you balancing remix and and you know you're kind of essentially taking care of people and guiding people and mentoring these people who come on to remix, you know, and guiding them, and then you have your fiance, and then you have you know your mom, and so how do you feel like you balance or balancing? How, how do the yeah. hard days? How do you get through those hard days? Of like emotional God, this is such a good question i've like i haven't thought of this really Girl, um, i think <laughs> so i, I do want to say no i love this question i i do want to say so some weird fun facts about me is ever since i was 17 18 i had this like ongoing notes section in my phone and it was called letters that. to my husband i still haven't showed Let's Ahmed it by stop. the way so yeah, I swear. Heart, I'm like a freaking like, oh my god Nicholas Sparks movie right now. So anyway, <laughs> I had this <laughs> I had this thing and it, you you guys would die laughing if you heard if you read the first few entries because it was so awkward. I'm like, hey, I don't actually like know your name, so hey is gonna do because like you Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> and I was just journaling, and the reason that I did that actually was because I knew I wasn't ready for somebody and I knew I wanted it was almost like I would ask God while I, like, I would literally ask yeah. God, like, God, please just don't send him my way right now. I'm just not ready. I want to live my life on my own. I want to go through my college years and be independent. And I just want to say that, like, I found my identity first. Mm. And it's funny because Ahmed has always been in my life. He's actually my brother's best friend. So oh, wait, these really? I'm typing, yeah. I'm typing these things in my notes. Like, I knew of Ahmed because him and my brother went to college together. And I used to hate him, but that's another story for oh, another wow. day. We're awesome. actually shameless plug we are starting a youtube channel where we talk he and i talk about this stuff but what's it gonna be called we actually named it last night it's his name so if you think it's lame okay it's his name but if you think it's cute then it's my name but it's called happy bays i love it no no it's actually cool it's actually really cool cool good job good job i love that it was oh my god i can't I wait to, to watch this i can't wait to watch this youtube channel i'm excited that's so back to everything that we're saying like we want more content for arabs like i if i was growing up with this like cool arab couple who yeah. like travels and lives in la and does all this like cool business stuff and he's actually way cooler than me he's the actor so you can interview him on another podcast he's lit but going back to all to your question i think that a big part of me feeling uh really i guess feeling more balanced than maybe i would have is finding my own identity before ahmed and i started talking another thing that helps just going back to what i just said he's an actor but he also works full-time for amazon and he has real estate like this man is the epitome of a serial entrepreneur there was one day where I was like, dang, like, if you can't beat him, join him. Like, I need to be with yeah, this guy yeah, because yeah. He's, he's got this game, this whole remixing game. Like, he has it way more unlocked than I do. He was at the property, the, the rental property, getting ready for a new tenant, literally sweeping the floors outside while he's on an Amazon call for work. And he's just pretending like he's normal, like normal on this call, just off video. And I'm like, this guy's crazy. And you just have to see his hustle. Like, 
literally after his horoscope. We I'm sorry to be that girl, but I'm going to be that girl. Okay, girl, let's talk about his horoscope. Okay, he's a Scorpio, which scares the shit out of me. I've always said <laughs> my fiance is a Scorpio. <laughs> What's your horoscope? I'm an Aries. Oh wow! You know, I don't, I, I don't know many Aries women. I you grew up with said. two Aries women who were my best friends. Like cool. real, but I wasn't into horoscopes at that time. Okay, I'm a Libra. I don't know if we're compatible. I knew you're. I by the way, I knew you were gonna say you were a Libra. Like I actually, really? I almost is gonna listen to this shit and be like, shut the fuck up, Lana. But I swear to God, <laughs> I, I felt hey. you were a Libra because a lot of my best friends are Libras. That's why we're cool people. You I will say, cool you are cool. We're cool, and we're like down to earth. Yeah, you're down to earth. Myself. You're like no, no, you're. You're you're cool and you're good friends. Like you're you're a good listeners. You. Oh my god, I can't believe yeah. Scorpio. Okay, He's I'm a Scorpio. Scorpio man too, girl. So I feel you. Do you know like the do you are you like into the rising and the moon? We don't have to get way too into it. Like, but to be honest, his, no. But tell me. Okay, his rising, which means to everyone listening, rising is how you are perceived. So it's not really your true personality. It's just how you come off to people. His okay. rising is in Leo and his moon. So the moon is how you are when you're like all alone at home. Like basically that's your most intimate self. His moon is in Aries. So there's that. But his rising in Leo was why I used to hate him. And by we'll the way, Leos are more. hard. They are hard. They because are they just hard. like so much. He likes attention, but he's an actor. Yeah, yeah. So like that's yeah. his job. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so it does help a lot that he has a very, very non like the most non-traditional career. He makes me seem traditional, you know? So yeah. I think that- I mean, he definitely pushes you then to kind of push oh my your God. limits. I always told you. my, like I tell my mom about him that my, and I tell him all the time, like my fears with Ahmed is not that we're not going to have fun or mm. like meet our potential. Like those I know. My fears is like, when we need to settle down, are we going to be able to settle down? Like when I'm trying to have kids, I ain't trying to be out here going and traveling all the time. Like my parents created such a stable environment for me at home. You're right. And that's important to me. So I don't feel out of balance career wise. I actually feel he is extremely helpful and he's totally an asset to my business and Mm. vice versa. Like I sat and created his whole marketing strategy with him the other day for two hours. We really compliment each other. My concerns will probably come in like five years when I'm yeah, ready yeah. to have kids, and maybe not, maybe not. But maybe that, not. I think that's really power the question couple, for me is fucking galore power couple. Because I mean, I always say, especially to my girlfriends. I mean, let's let's be. I've been in the fucking most toxic relationships ever. Cheating, toxicity, whatever, Man. whatever you want to say it. So I like I get them as well. But once you're in a relationship where you're like not challenged and you're not pushed to your bet, like. You're not just oh, constantly pushing and challenging each other and making your, the other partner greater. Get the fuck out of that relationship because yeah. that is heading down a road of being toxic. And Ahmed yeah. pushes me. I push him, but I've been in three million relationships before where I was like, he would hate that I was like, I like to be, I'm an Aries. So I like to be the center of attention. I like to talk a lot on a podcast. He wanted to love doing it. Small. I love talking to people. So I love like being out there and blah, blah. And I would have guys who'd be like, want to dim my light because they were like, fuck you for trying to be the center no, of attention. And here. that that's, you know what I mean? That's like not chat. That's not helping me. That's not enabling me, whatever. So I always, I mean, could you, by the way, I love talking about dating. If you didn't know this, but me too. Could you, I, I really love, love it. We need it. it. I know we need it. Cause you have like, we need to help each other out woman to woman. Could you name right. maybe a relationship you had in the past where maybe like you wouldn't be where you were today if you if you kept if you stayed with him you're like you are preaching 
<laughs> so my problem, here's my problem. And I really wonder if people, if, if anyone listening to this can resonate, because this is not a problem I heard my friends talking about growing up and mm. it made me actually feel a lot more lonely. So back to this whole like notes section in my phone yeah my strength and i've actually validated this through different i found this out through different strengths leadership tests strengths yeah. finders is my favorite by the way if anyone's interested what's, what's it called strengths finder i think they've changed the name i want to but it's it. like <laughs> yeah i'll send it to you for sure i'll send it to you and you can also drop it in your notes in yeah, case people yeah. want to take it uh there's also like Myers-Briggs I'll send you a few so one of my strengths in all of these different tests is being futuristic and what that means is I have like a very strong ability to plan like I can I was always able to envision myself Mm. five ten years down the line it's actually one of my biggest strengths in business but what comes with that is sometimes like you feel like shit because you can see this vision but your day-to-day is not lining up so my challenge is actually my day-to-day planning or my day-to-day making, seeing what I'm doing on my day-to-day. And sometimes when I see a misalignment, I get depressed. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I promise you, I have never talked to a guy and thought he was going to be my husband. And I know a lot of women, like they fall into that trap where they're like, I'm going to marry him. And then they have to go through that grief of, oh my God, I thought we were going to get married. I had a different grief. I had a grief of what am I still doing? I know I'm not going to be with him. And I would feel like shit about myself. Like Rima, like he's not the one. So what is it that's making you waste your time? Isn't your time more valuable? Aren't you more valuable? Don't you love yourself? So one relationship specifically, it was a four-year relationship, girl, where every day in that four years, every day in that four years, I knew I was not going to be with this guy. And I was honest with him too. That's the thing about me. Like I was not leading anybody on. I was like, we're not going to be together. We're not going to be together. We're not going to be together. And it was very toxic and abusive. It was emotionally abusive. And it really made me feel like, yeah, I could not be myself. I remember vivid moments where he just would try to like, he would literally tell me like, your head is too big. So whatever. And he would say things about my body. He would say things about, you're not as smart as you think you are. You think you're smart, but you're not yeah and it's funny by the way what i'll say here is i watched this ted talk about abuse it was this was about physical abuse i did not see myself at all in this ted talk yeah i've never been physically abused so i'm thinking like oh wow this is interesting i want to learn what these women go through yeah 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 and she talks about how she's this like harvard grad the successful writer this and that and she never saw herself even throughout her abuse as an abuse victim and she always saw him as the victim and that's a commonality they make you think they're the victim and it kind of woke me up where i'm like i have this identity and other people see me as the strong independent women i come from this family who's strong they pour so much love into me i i'm not broken quote unquote but here i am way more broken than i could even admit to myself because i'm why am i taking this shit yeah and it was because i'd mind effed myself into thinking i'm not the type of woman who gets abused so it took me years after that relationship to actually come to terms with the fact that like oh shit rima like yeah you the strong independent woman you were being abused and you need to like have a sit down with yourself so it took me a few years to even be ready to accept love and be in a relationship because i felt that i needed to heal from whatever made me attracted to that yeah you know what that's actually 
that is a, that point is amazing. What made you attracted to that? Because I think mm. a lot of women are like, why did it happen to me? Why me? Why not my friends? Why not this other woman? It's actually like, how, how did you allow it to get to your point? But that's more like self-work, that's self-love. That's, do you see like through your remix programs of having these entrepreneurs or creators on ever any like self-confidence issue? I'm sure you have, but do you see the self-confidence, self-worth I guess, factor play into a lot of these, these, I guess, creators limiting themselves, like, and how do you kind of take them through that? And, and yeah, I mean, how do you take them through that better, I guess, at confidence? It's actually very hard because what people sign up for is business coaching. Like, Mm. you know, you know, it's a curriculum where I'm taking them through everything from what are your values as a brand? What is your mission? What is your, um, what is your color palette going to look like? Let's help you pick this style visually. Let's, let's yeah. talk about your marketing strategy. And what ends up happening is they can go through that and they can do that. But what stops them from getting up and running is this element of self-worth, fear, fear of judgment. That's a huge Rejection, one. Rejection, I'm fear, sure. Fear yeah. of judgment, fear of failing publicly. That's literally verbatim what women have said wow. to me. And so I have the weekly group coaching calls honestly, just to talk through that stuff. So Mm. they're getting this curriculum and we're able to then talk about that stuff. And one of the things I'll say as an entrepreneur is business will bring out the, the things that you try to hide about your trauma or patterns that you've had or unhealthy habits. Business will bring all of that out to the Mm. forefront. And oftentimes you won't be able to get to the next level of your business until you address certain things. And one of the biggest things that I will call out for out of women, and I hope people can see themselves in this because it's a huge lesson, is the scarcity mindset. I have done a lot of work, and I'll explain what that is in a second, studying this in our community. Scarcity mindset is this idea that there's not enough to go around or oh my God, this guy just got engaged. Like that's one, one less guy left for me. I don't know. I'm never going to find Yeah, anybody. yeah, yeah. Oh my God, this girl just started a eyelash business. That's what I wanted to do. Shit, mm. I can't do that anymore. Oh my God. Um, it's just this constant idea in your personal or professional life that there's not enough. Yeah. And on one hand, you can look at these people and judge them. Be like, what are you so greedy for? What are you so selfish? But if you just decide not to judge them and instead try to be empathetic our parents grew up in fucking war like literally our parents literally, literally grew up true. in a war yeah 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 i don't care what country in the arab world you come from you and maybe just maybe not dubai because there's yeah. enough for everybody <laughs> but maybe not the uae yeah <laughs> but no like most people in the uae are expats and true. chances are if you're from an arab country or your your family your lineage there is actually research and you can look this up what's called generational trauma. And it's this idea that you don't have to have, I, Rima, who grew up in Dearborn in a big house, alhamdulillah, with never a worry about money or enough or not enough, can still experience in my body, in my biological makeup, the same trauma that my parents experienced just because I am a blood relative of them. This is actually, this research really started connecting what the Black American um, the average Black American deals with having ancestors who've gone through slavery. And so mm. when you take that and compare it to us, obviously very different experience, but we, our parents were hiding from bombs. Our parents were escaping from war. Our parents were growing up in my dad's situation with 
seven kids sharing two mini twin beds, you know? And so when the average girl growing up in a big house feels like when somebody starts this brand and it was what I wanted to do, it is a manifestation of that same feeling of like, oh, they took the thing, it's limited resources. They took that thing yeah, yeah. They're with that guy and now there's not enough left for me. And so that just got really deep, really fast. But that's something that- <laughs> I really enjoyed it though. <laughs> so like, I didn't think about that. I want to cry right now because it's like, it's freaking crazy. And the last thing I'll say here is there's research. Again, I really hope people look it up because back then, okay, when we were, I'm not, I must sound like a crazy person right now, but it's okay. When we were like running around with the lions and animals and whatever, we were literally scared of a lion coming and killing us. Okay. Mm. Back then when humans were still in that environment, right? So our heart would be fast. We'd get anxious in that moment, or we'd have that fight or flight reaction today. We don't have the same, uh, we don't have the same uh, dangers, yeah. but those things manifest themselves in other parts of our life. Maybe it's not a line. Maybe it's you have to go off mute and speak up in class and your heart starts yeah. beating. If you're like me, you get socially anxious. Those patterns just repeat themselves in your body. And that's a huge, huge, huge thing, specifically with the scarcity mindset or feeling like there's not enough or I'm going to fail that we have to address with other Arab women. And it's, it's been hard because I deal with it as well. I'm yeah. still trying to address it. But I think to through to your experiences and how you're dealing with it and what's working for you, and it, it's relatable. Like, for example, if some woman, Arab, Arab woman is listening to this podcast and being like, well, fuck, I feel like that too, that they have you as someone who's vocal about it, feeling that they're less alone. I think that actually empowers women. And I think that's sure. one of the beautiful things about what you're doing, what Remix is doing and what your platform is doing is you're empowering, you're saying like, well, you're not alone. You got millions of out of women literally feeling the exact same way as you. Yes. So Rima, if someone is looking to join Remix and kind of know more about the platform, where do they start and how can they kind of get, 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 get into it, but actually become part of the platform? Yeah, of course. So the two places that I always want people to start just to get to know me and, and what I do is uh, my YouTube channel. So um, I have a YouTube channel for the remix. I talk about everything from business mm. to lifestyle and personal development, as you could probably see earlier with me talking about these like strengths based tests. I love yeah. personal development. So whether it's business, branding, marketing, personal development, you can find it all there. I post every week. Mm. Um, so there's that. And then if you are an entrepreneur looking to attract consistent clients or consistent customers through what I call magnetic branding. So it's like making your brand irresistible to people. I actually have a free webinar and it's a one hour training where I literally teach you step-by-step what's called my brand attraction method. Mm. And it is how you're able to be irresistible to your ideal customers. Because if you're an entrepreneur on here, um, whether you're new or whether you've been in the game, not all customers are created equally. Sometimes you have annoying customers who give you a headache. You don't want to deal with that. So one of the first things we teach you how to do is craft what's called your, your persona. So it's your ideal customer persona so that you can continue to attract the kinds of customers who will leave awesome reviews and love your business and be return customers. So if that's something you're into, if you're looking to start a brand or business, definitely, definitely um, head over, whether it's through my page, um, my link in bio to 
my free training on that. Awesome. And I'm going to put everything in the show notes. Um, so oh, anyone looking to know more about remakes and uh, to watch the free webinar, which I think I recommend to really everyone um, looking to start their own business or brand. Um, I'll also put that in the show notes. Rima, thank you so, so much for being on the show. So I feel like so we much, covered Rima. so much and I loved, I, I, I actually, I really loved it. I loved getting to know you more. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, have a great week. See you next week. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye.